It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another CBJ in 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Another tough night for the Blue Jackets last night against the New York Islanders. They finished their home-and-home home series with the Islanders the same way they started the home-and-home home on Tuesday at Nationwide Arena. They started that one with a loss. 4-3 to three was the score on Tuesday when the Blue Jackets were down 4-1 to one and came roaring back. Last night, they were down 2 to nothing. They came back. They tied the game at two goals apiece. Then the Islanders got two in the third period, added an empty netter for good measure, and won the game by the score of 5-2. to two. Disappointing? Yes. End of the world? No. And I'll explain that in just a moment, right after I tell you about the fine people at Telhio Credit Union and the way that they take care of their customers and also the way that they take care of their communities. Telhio Credit Union's been around for a long, long time, and they have just had the same principles and fundamentals for all of their years of existence. They take care of their customers. They provide you with great service. They give you a place not only to put your money, but to help your money grow. They give you a place that will uh, give you the money that you need in some circumstances to get through something you're doing personally or something you're doing with your business. They do that through loans. They do regular checking accounts, savings accounts, and much, much more. But another thing they do is they take care of the community that they are in. They are all about community service and giving back. And that's just one of the things that makes Telhio Credit Union so special. To find out about all of the services that they provide, go to their website at telhio.org. Just go around, click on the tabs. You should get the answers to your questions. But if there is something that you just cannot find the answer to, if you are on their site during regular business hours, just click on the live chat option and someone will pop up on your screen to help you through it. The Ohio Credit Union is open to everyone in Central and Southwestern Ohio. They are federally insured by NCUA. All right, let's get back to what I was talking about. Disappointing the Blue Jackets lose last night? Yes. End of the world? No. And I'll tell you exactly why I have that way of thinking. With that win last night, the New York Islanders, who are now playing like the New York Islanders, unlike early in the season when they had adversity, they had to start the year with 13 straight road games while their building was being completed. Uh, they had injuries. They, they just didn't have good luck all around this year. It was a team, it is a team, that went to the Eastern Conference Final last year and battled the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's a team that stayed, for the most part, intact from that team last year. But again, this just wasn't their year. But with that win last night and with taking three out of the four in the season series against the Blue Jackets, the New York Islanders now are tied with the Blue Jackets in points. And because of the tiebreaker, they are ahead of the Blue Jackets in the standings. That means each team has 69 points. Each team is now chasing the Washington Capitals for that final playoff spot. But this is why I say disappointing, but not the end of the world. Because if we are going to be honest with each other, and you know that I'm always honest with you, and I was honest on Monday when I said that mathematically this team hasn't been eliminated, so they are technically still in the hunt. But let's be completely honest about it. 15 points separating the two teams, and that is the Blue Jackets and the Washington Capitals for the final playoff spot. 
On top of that, the Blue Jackets have 14 games remaining. It is a tall task, to say the least, to even think about finding a way to now overcome the Islanders and the Capitals to get into a playoff spot. Again, more than likely, not going to happen. So if it is not going to happen, does it matter where you end up in the standings? Yeah, there could be some bragging rights things if you want to be that way, but let's, again, be completely honest with one another. At the end of the day, it is the draft positioning. If you're not in the playoffs, it comes down to the draft positioning. And where might you end up in the draft positioning? So for the Blue Jackets to fall a spot, I, I really don't care. It doesn't bother me at all. I mean, do I like the New York Islanders? No. Do I like the fact that the Islanders would finish ahead of the Blue Jackets just taking the draft out of it? No. But when you involve the draft and when you involved the draft positioning, then it changes the entire thing. The Blue Jackets come into play tomorrow against the Boston Bruins, sitting 21st overall in the league. 21st with those 69 points. San Jose and Anaheim each have 66. Now listen, I'm not talking about lose every game you have left and try to drop like a rock in a pond. That's not what I mean. But what I'm saying is if you can battle hard and you get you get the effort out of your team, if it doesn't work out at this point in the season, so be it. And the Blue Jackets did get effort last night. I mean, they had a horrible start to the game. They were inside of their own zone. They were giving the puck away. They were just hanging Elvis Merzlikens out to dry. He made some fantastic saves throughout the game, but especially in the first period of the game. They did not help him much at all in that first 20 minutes. They found themselves down two to nothing. They gave up two goals back-to-back, lickety-split, a goal and then a goal off the ensuing faceoff. Did not look good. But then they found themselves as the period went along. Actually had to kill a penalty in the second half of that first period, which straightened them out a little bit. Getting back to that just simple, defined defensive play. And then they were okay after that. And then they got the two goals in the second period. And the two goals they got came from unlikely sources. Emil Bemstrom, very unlikely source, based on the year that he has had. Justin Danforth, still an unlikely source, although when he's in the game, he's noticeable, he's around the net. But again, if I said to you, two guys are going to score in tonight's game, would those be the first two names on your list? If you're telling me that they would be, again, we are not being completely honest with one another. So my whole point is they found a way back into the game and then in the third period again, mistakes and the Islanders taking over on their home ice really is the combination that led them to the victory. So again, the Blue Jackets lose the game 5-2 to two, the final score. They play in Boston here uh, on Saturday night. It's going to be a big night for both teams actually because the Bruins, the Bruins are in the playoff race right now. They're, they're in it. They've got 89 points, so they've separated themselves from the Washington Capitals. They are in a pretty good spot. They have a pretty good hold, I should say, on the first wildcard spot in the playoffs. Now, of course, they're trying to get back into the top three in the Atlantic Division, and they are only one point off the pace to do that as they trail the Tampa Bay Lightning by that one point. They also trail the Toronto Maple Leafs by only two points. Now, that is significant because they would have the opportunity 
to get home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs if they could grab that number two spot. They're not going to catch Florida. I, they could. They're nine points behind. They could. So I shouldn't say they're not going to. I don't know. What if Florida goes into some kind of a tailspin late in the regular season? I guess it's possible. So it's unlikely that they're going to catch the Florida Panthers, but they could get home ice in the first round, and that is a big deal. It's a really big deal. Let's be honest about that. So Boston has something to play for. That's going to be a big deal for them. Saturday night in Boston, that's a big deal anyway. And Nick Foligno is going to be celebrated for playing 1,000 National Hockey League games. And I don't have to tell you, if you are a frequent listener to this podcast, you already know that a bulk of those 1,000 games came in a Blue Jackets uniform. So the Blue Jackets are in town. They'll have the celebration. Again, it's a big deal. It's a big deal all around. A lot of emotion, a lot of storylines, all that stuff. But for the Blue Jackets, it's about effort, night in and night out. Brad Larson did not make this trip. Pascal Vincent is still the acting coach, head coach for the Blue Jackets. Talked to him before yesterday's game. Talked to him after last night's game. And, you know, he's he's okay with the effort. He didn't like the first period last night. Of course he didn't. But then when your team gets itself reset and gets back into the game, that's the kind of effort that I'm talking about. And they'll give that effort. They'll give it to the very end. And some nights it'll be good enough to win, and some nights it's just not going to be good enough. They're going to get beaten out by more than likely, not always, but more than likely by a team that is in the playoffs or looking to better its playoff positioning. And those are going to be tough games. But these are all learning experiences. I know you're sick of hearing that. I'm sick of saying it. But again, we're being honest. And these are all learning experiences that this team has to go through if it wants to be better. And boy, do they want to be better. I don't know if you heard the interview that Jody Shelley and I did with Jake Bean this week on the Inside Edge. If you haven't done that, go back and look up that interview, and that'll prove my point. Boy, do they want to be better. Boy, do they think that they can be better. Boy, do the players in that room feel that there is a good thing brewing here. And they can't wait until they can convince you of that by winning and winning and winning. That's what they believe. They believe they're pretty good. They are pretty good. They are pretty good. They're not very good yet, but they're pretty good. The signs are there. The positive signs that you're hoping to see all throughout the season have been there. And I know that one season isn't like the next. I know that when this one is over and when training camp begins in the fall, that that's going to be a different team. It just is. There will be different faces. I don't think there will be a lot of different faces. I don't know where all of those faces are going to come from. Some are going to come from within the system. Some are going to come from probably this past year's draft. Some could come from the outside in the way of unrestricted free agency. Who knows? But there will be some changes. It will not be this group entirely. But it is going to be the majority of this group, the majority of these guys who are battling, fighting, scratching, clawing to do everything they can to put themselves in a position to win night in and night out. So, again, the signs are good. The signs are good. But next year will be about building again. You, know, you just hope that next year, this identity that they found this year, they'll be able to 
just flip the switch and transfer that in. I don't know if that's, you know, fair to expect or not. I can't tell you that until we get to next October, or I should say this coming October. This is 2022, but you get it. You know what I mean. So the Blue Jackets are going to play it out. They're going to play it hard, and they're going to let the chips fall wherever they fall. And what the draft position is going to be, we'll have to wait and see. Oh, by the way, I told you where the Blue Jackets are in the standings right now, 21st. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks are 26th overall in the standings right now. The Blackhawks are only one point behind Buffalo, but Buffalo's getting better. Chicago is, yeah, the same. Uh, Philadelphia is five points behind them. I would love to see the Flyers catch the Blackhawks. I just don't know if they can. I, I just don't think, you know, Philadelphia is just, you know, it's a, a write-off season for them too. This is a throwaway season for them. They are, you know, they they didn't even come close to what they thought they were going to achieve. They still need to hire a coach, technically. I mean, when Elaine Vigneault got let go, they didn't hire somebody else. It's just a, an interim head coaching situation there. So they've got things to do. I, I don't know if they can catch the Blackhawks right now, although the Blackhawks are able to blow leads spectacularly, as we've seen a couple of times in this past week. So I guess nothing is impossible. All right, you've listened to me ramble on for long enough. Uh, yesterday, when we were on the island, I always get stuck there. I, I want to say in New York, and that's technically true, right? We were in New York State. We're borderline. We're not in New York City, but, I, I mean, we're, we're there. We're on the border of Queens, and but, but it's, it's the island. You're on Long Island. I can't say you're in Long Island because that just I don't think that's grammatically correct, and it sounds stupid, on Long Island. So I always get screwed up. But anyway, yesterday... When we were at UBS Arena, how about that? See, that now I could just cover it all if I do that. Yesterday morning, we were at UBS Arena uh, getting ready for the Blue Jackets morning skate. And a former Blue Jacket was there in the stands. And he was there taking notes because he was working the game last night. And I'm talking about former goaltender Brian Boucher. And some of his career was spent with the Blue Jackets in Columbus, it, uh, it wasn't a huge part of his career, not at all. It was just the 2006-2007 season, and it was three games. So, obviously not a huge part of his career. Just a blip on the radar screen, but it counts. It counts. That's Jody Shelley. He's in charge of the alumni. It counts as him being an alumnus of the Blue Jackets. But uh, Brian Boucher uh, spent most of his career with the Philadelphia Flyers. That's When I think of him, I think of him in a Flyers uniform. He was also with the Coyotes, the Flames, the Blackhawks, the Sharks, and the Hurricanes in his National Hockey League career. Played 328 games in the NHL, as a matter of fact. And then he went on to broadcast, and he's become a prominent broadcaster. Um, up until this year, he had been with NBC Sports, really carved himself out a nice niche there with NBC, and he was a guy that was between the benches the last couple of seasons. And when the NBC deal was up and the television contract moved to a split between ESPN and TNT, Brian Boucher landed with ESPN, and he was in town because he was calling last night's game between the Blue Jackets and the New York Islanders, the second one that he had done 
in uh, about a week. I start by saying two weeks uh, to him, but it's, it's really within a week. He was in Minnesota on Saturday and then on the island on Thursday to call the game. Uh, another significant thing is that uh, Brian Boucher's son, Tyler, was drafted in the first round this past summer by the Ottawa Senators. And when the Senators made that pick, it pretty much sealed the deal that Cole Sillinger would be taken by the Blue Jackets. So a little bit of irony there that uh, a guy that played three games in his career in Columbus, when his son is drafted years later, it has an impact on the Blue Jackets getting a guy that they hope is going to be an impact player for them for a long, long time. So I did have the chance to sit down and catch up with Brian Boucher. Here's that conversation. How about the luck of the draw for you getting to do two Blue Jackets games basically in two weeks, coming back with one of your old teams and calling the games? Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I mean, uh, although if you if you look at Twitter after the game, you, there's not much love uh, coming from the from the fan base. But I want it to be clear, just so you know that I I really don't care who wins the game, and I'm not cheering for a particular team right uh just cheering for a good broadcast and uh but yeah no it's fun to see uh you know some uh some some familiar faces and you know the fact that we're getting to see people again in the rink right uh it's it, it's it's great it feels like uh feels like what how it was a couple of years ago and to to see you know some like i say some familiar faces it's fun and uh, unfortunately for for the blue jackets obviously uh, a postseason doesn't look like it's going to happen this year but um you know an exciting young team that i think is is retooling on the fly and and could have some uh some promising years down the road when you first got into this business this part of the business didn't they tell you don't look at twitter after any game in fact don't look at twitter ever i don't and the problem is is my my play-by-play partner uh, Bob was shoes and he's the one that sends it to me and he laughs. He thinks it's, he thinks it's quite comical, uh, which it is. I mean, it's, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure the fans aren't too serious about it. At least I hope not. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I personally don't look at it. Uh, you know, obviously it's one of those things that we have to use in our line of work. I think it helps for information and follow guys in with certain teams and you get up, you know, up to speed, uh, uh, information, but uh, yeah, I typically don't look at it. But he uh, he sent a couple of doozies over after after last game, which uh, gave us all a good chuckle. Yeah, you got to watch those TV play by play guys. They're <laughs> they're all bad news. <laughs> I agree, Bob. I agree. Hey Jeff, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Jeff. We're sitting right here as we do this. Um, let me ask you about the transition going from NBC to ESPN for you. Um, did you have an idea what was going to happen with you? Like when, when the entire uh, deal was renegotiated and all of a sudden NBC wasn't part of it, was there a point where you didn't know if you'd still be in the mix or not? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it was, uh, it's, it's very much like, I guess when you're, when you're a player, right. And your contract expires and you don't know what's going to happen. I, I think that that was the case for me. I can't speak for others that were at NBC, but you know, an unnerving time. I mean, I think you're, 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 you're working for uh, NBC and you know you're trying to do the best job you can and you know you're kind of on on the outside as far as knowing what what the scoop is with their negotiations with the league so you're kind of hoping that things go go as planned and that they retain the rights and then when we found out they weren't I mean it's kind of like you know here you start the music and you try and find a, a chair to sit at and you know it was a, it was a 
it was an unsettling time, I think, for all of us that were at NBC. And I think, fortunately, just about all of us, uh, you know, have landed at some spot or another, um, which is good. You know, you want to make sure that everybody in the end uh, is taken care of. I mean, we had people at NBC that I know that some producers and, and stuff like that stayed at NBC and are doing other uh, sports that they are carrying now. But uh, there was a lot a lot of people there that cared a lot about, about hockey and, and really worked hard at it. And I thought we did a good job for, you know, the time that I was there. And I was there for six years. Um, you know, so it's, a, you know, you hate to see something like that where people's lives get, get changed. And But as I said, I think a lot of us have settled in nicely, whether it be at ESPN or TNT, and trying to get used to our, our new teams and, and, uh, and getting used to the new environment. You did do a good job, and that's why it is now on two different networks, and there's a lot more money being paid for it, right? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I mean, um, you know, I think people saw the value uh, in, in the broadcast, and, and obviously uh, TNT and ESPN were willing to, to pay the league, uh, you know, quite a bit of money to, to be uh, broadcast uh, rights holders. So um, the league's in a great spot right now, considering everything that uh, this world had to go through in the last two years. Um, how they're able to manage their way through, you know, such adversities. Uh, the fact that you've got two rights holders that are willing to pay that kind of money here in the United States, I think, speaks volumes to the product that's on the ice and the business that's being done. Has it been a big change for you going from one network to another, or is everything pretty much the same? Just got to learn how to do uh, expenses differently here at ESPN and. Uh, you know, I got used to doing it a certain way at NBC. Now I'm, you know, still trying to figure it out here at ESPN. Yeah, that's one thing that that's different. Um, new teammates, new producers, all of that stuff behind the scenes. But the the crew here at ESPN, we've got people that are very passionate about the game of hockey. That we're just so excited to get hockey back. And when you when you hear their enthusiasm, um, you know that's exciting, right? To you know, as 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 difficult as it was to say bye to so many friends and colleagues that work so hard at it, you know, it's, it's easy to get excited about what's to come. And, you know, it's a seven year deal. This is year number one. Certainly uh, we're learning on the fly here at ESPN and I'm sure there will be continued improvement as the years go on. And, um, but it's been a lot of fun. Speaking of enthusiasm, I want to take you back to last summer because your son Tyler was drafted in the first round. In fact, you saw Cole Sillinger play a couple of times now. And uh, I remember at the night of the draft, Jody Shelley, your former teammate, was so happy to see that Tyler was taken by the Ottawa Senators for two reasons. Number one, he went in the first round. And number two, that pretty much sealed the deal that Cole Sillinger was coming to the Blue Jackets. <laughs> so it was, it was a win-win all around there. But uh, for a guy that played in the National Hockey League, broadcasts in the National Hockey League now, what was it like to be a dad watching your son go in the first round? Yeah, it was really cool. Um... It was such a, you know, for Tyler, it was such a difficult year for him last year. He he had he was injured twice, had COVID, had knee surgery that ended his season. He played so little that there was just, so, you know, um, it was just so much uncertainty as to where he could go. People were all over the place on, on his projections. Um, so to see him, I think every kid wants to go in the first round, right? And as a former first rounder, I can certainly speak to that. It's a it's a nice it's a nice feeling to have that happen. Uh, so I was super proud of him. Um, but you know, like anything else, it's just you know a step along in the journey. And um, as much as we enjoyed it as a family, I think we're just enjoying seeing him play now. Uh, you know, it was a tough start for him at BU to start the year. He transitioned and, and decided to transition to the OHL, playing for the Ottawa 67s. 
you know, he's been dealing with a few things uh, health-wise that, you know, he's working through. He's feeling better. So just seeing him play and just getting back to normalcy, I think, is what is, as a parent, is, is most uh, exciting. And you want to see your kid happy, right? And uh, I think he's happy right now, and that's that's exciting for all of us. And he was drafted by Ottawa, so now he's playing in Ottawa. I guess it's well, nice for them because if they want to go see him play on any given night, all they have to do is go down the street. Talk about uh, life in a fishbowl, right? I mean, uh, and it just worked out as coincidence. He was drafted by the 67s, um, what's the OHL draft, probably two years ago now. And then two years later, he gets drafted by the Ottawa Senators. So it wasn't worked out. It, you know, it wasn't planned that way. But it worked out that way, and, and, and in some ways I think it's really good because uh, he's getting to know the community. He's getting to, to, to know what it's like in Ottawa, the expectations uh, of the fan bases. And uh, at the same time, he has the resources from the senators that are there, uh, right there to, to help him, whether it be uh, you know, helping with bumps and bruises. You know, they're there to, to, to look after him, or whether it's the development coaches and Sean Donovan and Jesse Winchester. So there's a as much as you know. Often kids that play junior, they kind of go to a different city and they kind of do their own thing and they kind of live in in uh, not obscurity, but you know, not as much pressure. He's only a little bit more pressure in the sense that he's in Ottawa, but I think there's pluses and minuses to it that he's uh, that he's enjoying. As this NHL season goes into the final couple of weeks here. Um, you have any favorites? Any teams that you think really have a good chance of uh, winning this thing? Man, or how do you see the parity? I, maybe that's a better question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the East, aside from Washington, is is wide open. I I'm just concerned about Washington's goaltending. I don't think they have enough to go deep. That just my opinion. Um, so seven teams in the East like really stand out to me. That could I wouldn't be shocked if any of them came out right. But I you know it's hard to say Tampa is not going to be there because they've won two in a row you've got to you've got to respect that Florida has improved their team immensely Carolina is a team that plays fast and in your face and, and up tempo so they're they're exciting to watch and I think they've improved their goaltending um but then how do you count out the Rangers the move that they've made you know there's just so much but then in the east I think of Colorado and what they have the firepower they've got a lot of pressure on them I think everybody's expecting them to win I would not count out Calgary or Minnesota I think Minnesota with what they did at the trade deadline adding that element of um, physicality and grit I mean imagine playing a seven game series against that type of physicality I mean that's what wears teams down and as the playoffs go on I think they're a team that could could end up going very far so it's wide open. Uh, the teams that I mentioned in the West, Calgary, Colorado, Minnesota, are the three top ones for me. And in the East, I think it's wide open. It should be a fun spring. You mentioned the goaltending, though. I mean, Tampa still has the best goaltender, yep. I think, no no doubt. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down, when, when, when the game is on the line and the chips are on the table, that's the guy that I would want. And that's what I mean. It's hard to, to bet against them, seeing that they've won two in a row, the experience that they have. They've made some changes as well to kind of retool and bring in some fresh energy. Those guys want to win that are coming in. They don't want to be on a team that, yeah, they won two in a row years prior, and now they come in and lose. There's a lot of pressure on those guys to elevate their games. And John Cooper's proven to be a, a very good coach when it matters most. So, um, boy, they've come a long way since they got swept by Columbus a couple of years ago. They changed huh? after that, yeah. though, right? I mean, yeah, that's when they went out. Yeah, yeah, that's when they got Barclay Goudreau. That's yep. when they got Blake Coleman. That's when they developed the third line because yep. they found out that just having premier offensive players wasn't enough. And that's why I feel teams have learned from that and the, the moves that they've made at the deadline, like, like a Minnesota, 
um, to get a little bit harder to play against. I think the Rangers did it too in picking up Andrew Kopp and Tyler Mott and uh, and whoever else they pick. I can't even think of who else they. Oh, uh, Justin Braun on the back end, and you know, so they're they're going to be tougher to play against as well. So. Yeah, I mean, every, it's a copycat league. You see how teams do it. You can't have all skill. It doesn't work. It doesn't work when you get in a seven-game series because the opposition is figuring out how they can, how they can beat you and how they can get underneath the skin of, of, uh, of some skilled players. And we saw in that Columbus uh, Lightning series, you got under the skin of Nikita Kucherov, and it changed the complexion of that series. So you got to have that toughness. you got to have that mental toughness too, to, to grind through adversities of a, of a playoff series and find a way to win it's tough to win 16 games when it comes to springtime and i i think it's going to be um maybe one of the best playoffs we've seen in a long, long time last thing i have for you is the physicality coming back to the game at all i, it, I know it's not going to be five six fights a night like it used to be once yeah. upon a time but uh, is it coming back it's got to be guys though like tom wilson ryan reeves guys that can play and still have that element yeah they have to be able to play the, the idea that you can just put somebody out there to try and take somebody's head off it's not it's not happening anymore nobody's intimidated by that it's if the guy can play as well he can skate keep up have an effect on the game and have an impact on the game that's what that's that's what matters most is it coming back um maybe maybe in doses it's not going to be like it ever was and it shouldn't be that way i mean i think the game is in a great spot right now. There's so much good young talent in this league, but you can't you can't minimize the the impact of like that type of competitiveness competitiveness when it comes to um, the physical play. I mean, at, at the end of the day, there's one puck out there, and you have to win it. How do you win it? Either you do it by bumping somebody off the puck or by keeping it and having it. So the skill is by keeping it and having it. Bumping somebody off the puck is a physicality, and I think that that should never be lost in the game of hockey, and that's why it makes it so fun to watch. And what people don't realize is the goalie is actually the toughest guy on the ice. He just doesn't show it, right? Exactly. You <laughs> nailed it. Uh, nobody messes with the goalies. But, yeah, if we didn't have all that equipment, we'd be, you know, we could throw punches like Jody Shelley used to, but we're limited. <laughs> well, Brian, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, good to see you. Good to catch up with you. And stay off Twitter for the most part. Oh, yeah, you? I'll be off it. Thanks, Bob. There he is, Brian Boucher of ESPN. I don't know if he looked at Twitter last night during the game or after the game or you heard me. I told him not to. I just simply told him not to. But it was great to catch up with him. Uh, he, he's a very fun and entertaining guy. He really is. And I enjoy the conversations. Blue Jackets and the Boston Bruins tomorrow night. That's Saturday in Boston. The only time the Blue Jackets come to Boston, by the way, this season. Nick Felino will be honored pregame for playing 1,000 games in the National Hockey League. It's going to be a great ceremony, I'm sure. There's going to be emotion involved. Again, there are storylines all over the place, but the Blue Jackets would like to rain on the Bruins parade a little bit as Boston is trying to improve their position in the Atlantic Division. Game gets underway at 7 o'clock. Our pregame coverage starts at 6.30 on the Blue Jackets radio network and also on Valley Sports Ohio. Once again, I'd like to thank Brian Boucher for being my guest today, and thanks to you for being there as always. That's going to do it for this edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.